Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O oh my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. I want you to look at verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep. Deep calleth unto deep. And I want to use uh, verse 7 there as a launching pad for what I feel that the Lord has laid upon my heart. I want, to, I want to preach from this subject or teach from this subject tonight. The deep calleth. The deep calleth. Praise the Lord. Would you... Once again, lay down your Bibles. Let's focus our minds on the Lord. and Let's ask the Lord to help us in the remainder of this service. We want his word to come alive to us tonight. Would you pray together with me? Jesus, we're believing you to place an anointing. God, your word is anointed, but I pray that you would place an anointing on us to receive the word of God. It is alive, but let it be alive to us. And help us to receive it into our spirit, the engrafted word of God. I pray that you would help us through your word, challenge us through your word. God, help us, O Lord, to draw closer to you and be stirred in our hearts towards you tonight. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. How many is thankful for the presence of the Lord that you feel? Would you give a praise unto God right now? I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. To our guests tonight, we're thankful that you're here. God bless you for being here. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There's been a lot of debate on who exactly was the writer of this psalm. Uh, As you know, David wrote the majority, perhaps, of the psalms that we read in the book of Psalms. We also know that Moses wrote some of them and then other uh, musicians and Psalmist, uh, some of them we know their names and some of them remain a mystery to us. We don't know exactly, and this is one of those psalms that we don't know exactly who it was that penned this psalm. And there's a lot of speculation about that. And uh, even in, in some of your Bibles, you might note that uh, there's a notation and perhaps there is uh, one that that the translators placed as the author or the one that penned this psalm. But still among theologians, there's a lot of debate about it. There's some that suppose that it was David. Whomever wrote this psalm, it becomes very obvious as you read the at least the first portion of it, that this is someone that's had at some point in their relationship with God. They've had some very deep experiences. This is not someone that didn't know God. This is not someone that just had a casual relationship with the Lord. 
But in fact, this is someone that knew him at a deep level. This is someone that, that understood and had a revelation, perhaps a depth that others did not have. And, uh, and this becomes obvious in this psalm. And so there are some that suggest that this psalm could have been written by King Hezekiah. Hezekiah, other than David, was one of the greatest kings of Israel. And he was a man that though he was not born or did he have an example of someone that lived before him as a parent, as a man of prayer, or led his family in the ways of the Lord, there remained a hunger in Hezekiah and a desire to know God. And uh, he didn't have any example. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't have anybody to really lead him other than when he bonded to the prophet Isaiah later on in his life. And Isaiah preached to him and taught him the ways of God. But uh, there, even at a young age, there was a, a longing and there was a hunger there uh, to know the Lord. And I just want to stop and say this, uh, that you may not have a pedigree in this. You may not have a pedigree in Pentecost. You may not have the luxury of having family members that have lived this life before you or served the Lord and, and provided an example or mentored you in the ways of God or the Word of God or thus and so. But if you have a desire, God will direct you. God will lead you. And uh, we know that God responds to hunger. And if a person really hungers after God, God's going to reveal himself. And if we pray and if we seek the face of God and we desire to live before him and please him, God will reveal to us how to do so. And uh, so this young man, though he didn't have an example, he had a desire. And that desire led him into places that he experienced God at a very deep level in dimension. And of course, uh, he came in contact with the prophet Isaiah. And it is believed by these same theologians that hold the opinion that Hezekiah wrote this psalm. It is believed by them that this was just after or during the period of time when he was suffering the sickness uh, that Isaiah would come and eventually tell him was a sickness that was unto death. And we know that story. It's a very uh, profound story and powerful story about the effects and the potential of prayer and somebody can get a hold of God and how that when Isaiah came to him and told him that the sickness was unto death to set his house in order, that he turned his face to the wall and in other words, this was his place of prayer, and he was focusing upon getting a hold of God. There's times when you have to turn your face away from everything else and solely seek after God if you want to touch Him. You can't, your mind can't be divided. You cannot be thinking of other things. You cannot be uh, doing this with a double-minded attitude or just approaching it in a casual manner, but you really got to set your face to seek God. And the result of this was, is it, was very, it was very quick that God moved and spoke to Isaiah, seeing the desire and the urgency of the prayer that Hezekiah had prayed. And before he ever left the, uh, the court of the palace, he was turned around and sent back to tell Hezekiah that 15 years had been added to his life. And uh, so it is believed by those that interpret this psalm that this was when he was suffering from that particular sickness. And he's trying to encourage himself and he's desiring that the Lord, this is a man again that knew how to get a hold of God and knew how to pray. He knew how to seek the face of God. And he says here in verse 1, he says, As a heart panteth after the water brook. Of course, he's speaking about a small deer or a fawn. And uh, as it panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. 
Amen. He was making a distinguishing statement there. There was a lot of gods, little g, uh, that had made their way and filtrated throughout the land. And there was a lot of people that worshipped idol gods in that Middle Eastern uh, area or region of the country. But he said, we as Israelites, we as the people of the living God, we serve a God that is able to move and work and answer our prayers. And when we cry out to him, we're not crying out to an inanimate object. We're, we're, not, we're not crying out to uh, one that has ears that cannot hear. In other words, has ears carved upon it or, or uh, uh, carved out of stone or wood but are of no use, that cannot hear. Uh, we're, not, we're not crying out to a God that cannot hear. And we're not crying out to one that does not see us in our distress, that has eyes that are, that are carved in it, but, but cannot see. We're not serving a God like that, but we're serving a living God, one that answers prayer. And uh, it seems as though he has reached a point of desperation, for he says, when shall... I come and appear before God. I have spent some time where I felt like that he's not been near me. I've spent a period of time here suffering with this disease or sickness or wrestling with this ailment in my body when I felt like he is a little ways away. And it seems like I'm not receiving the response that I would like to receive. And how many has ever been there? There will be times in your relationship with God. I'm just, just going to have to break it for, uh, to you right here at the beginning tonight. There's going to be times in your relationship with God when it's not going to be immediate. And you're going to feel as though you're alone. But remember, if you can, uh, can just look to the Word of the Lord, you know by reading the Word of God that we are really, in fact, though we may feel like we're alone, in reality we're never alone. Amen. But God is always there. And uh, though we may feel as though He is not hearing us, if we're praying with sincerity and faith, the answer may not be forthcoming, but we can have confidence that every tear that we weep and every prayer that we cry out to God is taken into account. The Bible even says that your tears don't just fall to the ground and dry up, but uh, they, are, they are each one of them collected Amen. In the eyes of God. And they're going to return to you as a testimony. That's what the book of Revelation says. So we know that our prayers are not in vain. Don't, don't let the devil try to convince you that your prayers are in vain. Don't, don't let the, 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 the time of lingering and being patient try to dissuade you and discourage you and cause disappointment to darken your desire for prayer. But you just keep praying. You keep believing God because God is one that hears and answers prayer. In fact, his word says his ears are not heavy that he cannot hear. Praise God. My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? In other words, there are those that have watched me in my time of distress. This again was a righteous king that was living in the midst of countries and people that were around them and, and even folks that had backslidden away from God that are uh, angry with the fact that he had uh, stood up for the things of the Lord and rid the country of idolatry and maybe cut down the groves and took down and destroyed the high places that's what the scripture says that he did and brought a revival to Israel and perhaps there were those enemies of his that were looking on when he came down with this sickness and saying, yeah, where's your God now? What's going on with you now? What's happening with you now? You're getting what you deserve. And uh, look at him and they're mocking him. But this man uh, remains faithful and cries out to God. When I remember these things I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude and I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise this was a man that was not enduring a joyous situation 
This was a man that really his life was surrounded by sorrow. But yet he kept praise on his lips. And he kept joy in his heart. Again, underscoring the fact that you don't have to have circumstances just right to maintain joy. Because joy doesn't come uh, from the source of our situations and, and all of that. that. That isn't the source of our joy. But it's our relationship with God that gives us joy. Amen. Jesus said in the New Testament, he said, Rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. In other words, don't rejoice on the happenings of this earth, but rejoice that you know you're saved, sanctified, and ready to meet me in eternity. Because that's what you're living for. And that's a joy that the world can't take away. Can you say praise the Lord? And so he said, when I remember your goodness, when I, when I think about that, I go to the house of the Lord with the others, and I praise, and I have joy in my heart. Uh, this multitude that kept the holy day. But there's something that distinguishes him from this crowd uh, that he's going up to the temple with. You, you seem to read between the lines here and see that he has a greater desire, maybe because he has such a desperate need, and desperate needs create a desperate desire in us. And he, he's crying out to God more emphatically and more desperately than the rest of the crowd that he is going up to the temple with at the holy day to worship God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. This is a man that is encouraging himself in the Lord. This is a man that is saying, you know what, I don't have a lot of encouragers around me. I don't have a lot of people to give me a pep talk. But I, I have to sometimes encourage myself in the Lord. I have to talk positive and I have to speak in faith and I have to remind myself. And so that's what he begins to do in the verses that follow. He begins to say, I hope, hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise thee for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember thee. Amen. If you're having trouble keeping faith, Remember what God has done for you in the past. Hallelujah. Remember how that he has blessed you and been there for you and answered your prayers. And this, this goes on to talk about the land of Jordan and the Hermites and the heel of Mesar, Mysar. And this is uh, speaking the land of Jordan. We know that, that the Jordan Valley or the Jordan River is spoken of in a type of scripture in the scripture it's a type of death and maybe he feels as though uh, this sickness has led him to a place that his back is against the wall and Hermon was a place where the headwaters of Jordan came from and that's what he's referring to here to the hills of Hermon and that's where the headwaters of the Jordan uh, came from and it flowed down to this valley and then uh, to uh, the Dead Sea, which was 1,290 feet, I believe it was, below the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, so this was the lowest point on earth, the Dead Sea. But he said, it doesn't matter how low I get. It doesn't matter how down I am right now. I remember thee right where I'm at and know and am reminded of the fact that you hear and you answer prayer. And you will respond to me when I have a need. Amen. And I just want to remind this congregation, and I'm just kind of speaking here expository from these uh, verses of Scripture, but I, I want you to be reminded as we go through this that, that God is faithful. I said God is faithful. More faithful than us. Come on, how many would attest to the fact that he's more faithful than you? He's been faithful to you when you weren't faithful to him sometimes. Hallelujah. And then we get to this passage that I really want to focus on in verse 7. It says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Deep calleth unto deep. Amen. 
deep calleth unto deep. And I don't know about you. Maybe you're different from me. But I've often read that scripture and heard that scripture all of my life referred to uh, by preachers. And I've always had a little bit of a difficult time interpreting that as to really what is it getting at or what is it meaning. And I, I say that in my young uh, younger days of looking at that scripture, reading that scripture, and wanting to really know what it meant, and being a person that was seeking after uh, the deep things of God, I would always uh, reference that scripture and say, God, this is exactly what does it mean? And uh, it, it became clear to me with time, the deep things of God are released to us as the depths of our involvement grows. In other words, as we wade into the deep places of God, as we are interested and hungry for and desirous of the deep things of God, as our desire for God leads us into deeper places, then there's a hunger that increases to go a little further and an invitation that invites us to go into a greater and deeper place in God. But you have to start somewhere and you have to develop an appetite and a hunger for the things of God somewhere. And if you are content with just splashing around in the shallows as it were, and if you're content with just staying at point A for the rest of your life and your Christian existence, then you'll never know what this man is speaking about in this psalm. You'll, you'll never be able to experience it on this level. You'll never know the dimension that he is speaking of. But the things of God are fathomless. And the depths of God are so deep that uh, we can explore them throughout our entire life until Jesus comes and never, never understand it all. Never receive all the revelation that is there to receive. And never get all uh, and receive all that God has as a possibility before us or a potential before us. And so what are you saying? I'm saying when we enter into living for God, when we are born again of water and spirit, when we repent of our sins, are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name and all of those things, repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the unfilling of the Holy Ghost are necessities. Amen. They're not, they're not just something that we recommend. That's not just something we talk about that, you know, if you want a little bit more in God, then that's what you need to do. No, that's the starting place. That's the beginning point. That's how you enter in, the Scripture says in John chapter number 3, to the kingdom of God. That's how you see for the very first time the kingdom of God. But as we read that Scripture in John chapter 3, it talks about entering the kingdom of God and it talks about seeing the kingdom of God. Two different places there. And as it talks in relation to be born again. And a lot of times when we use John chapter 3, we use it just as a salvation scripture. And we just throw it out there to talk to people about the necessity. And that, I believe, primarily is the reason for this statement is to help Nicodemus understand what he needed to do to be saved. That religiosity wasn't going to save him. That belonging to a synagogue or being even the ruler of a synagogue was not going to save him. Religion and the title that he had over the door of the synagogue that he was a part of was not going to save him. Tradition was not going to save him. But he needed a born again experience to save him. Uh, but I want to tell you for the believer that has already experienced this, that word see the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you vision in God is more than just when we enter into the kingdom of God. What are you trying to say? I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more to see in the things in your relationship with God. There's a whole lot more to experience than just uh, getting uh, the new birth experience, just getting in the church, just becoming a part of the body of Christ, just receiving the gift. That's a glorious experience. I'm certainly not minimizing it at all. But the Holy Ghost is not just for our salvation. It's for our growth. It's for our spiritual maturity. It helps us to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Oh, do I have a witness here tonight. 
Amen. And it leads us. It leads us into deeper relationship with God. And the Holy Ghost is powerful enough to lead us into places in the Spirit where we can receive and we can know God in a greater way. And the Bible tells us in the book of Daniel that those that know him in the last days are going to do great exploits. And so one of the fringe benefits of knowing God is we could see miracles. We could see the blessings of God on earth. We could see the glory of God fill the earth, the Bible says. As the waters cover the sea, amen, I believe that God is able to do a work and and give us his spirit of revival in this hour, amen, as we develop a relationship with him, he leads us into deeper places. Now that doesn't happen, again, it's an intentional thing. You'll never get there unless you have a desire to. You'll never be able to explore these things unless you have a desire to. You have to have a hunger to know about this world that I'm talking about. Amen? Uh, You know, I'm told, and I have experienced a little bit of it myself, that there is an entire world beneath the sea that is foreign to man in many ways. There's life there that is still being discovered. There's mysteries there that are still being uncovered. There's things that people are, as they have... Uh, submarines that are able to handle extreme depths. And uh, for years it was impossible to go to those extreme depths. Uh, I have, uh, as a diver, went down a little beyond 100 feet, and that was far enough for me because of the extreme pressure that was there. But I saw things and experienced things. I was there in, and off, off the coast of Honduras there in, in the Roatan Islands, and I went down... Uh, Roatan, the island of Roatan, and went down in that area right off of that. That's one of the, the, the trenches that is the reef that is there off the side of that trench uh, is one of the areas that is most popular for divers and went down about 80-something feet. I saw, I saw uh, fish and, and life form down there that I, I never experienced. I've never seen anywhere else. I've, I've dove in Hawaii and, and seen it there. I've, I've dove in lakes even here. In, uh, in, in the United States and, and saw it. I, I've seen pictures of people diving down in caves and, and, and different things. It's a different world. It requires, it requires a different total, uh, uh, different type of equipment to even survive. There's a, uh, it's a total different thing that sustains life down there at that level. And, and it's uh, something that we can explore and we can go to. But there's a lot of people that never desire to do that. And, and, and I understand that because there's dangers involved. And uh, there's pressure involved in going to that level. And I understand that. And what I'm preaching about tonight may not be for everybody. And I'm not saying that it is something that is uh, a salvational issue. That you've got to go to this certain level. Or you cannot be saved. I'm not preaching it as such. I'm telling you, you have to have the Holy Ghost. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to do those things. You've got to be born again. And you must grow and be discipled in the Lord. And when the Lord stirs your heart and convicts you, you need to yield to that conviction and be open to the Spirit of God to direct your life and lead your life on a daily basis. And we never stop growing in the Lord until He calls us home or until He comes for His church. We'll always be growing in the Lord. But there are a few that are going to be called. And there are a few that once you experience some level of depth in God, it's going to lead you into a deeper place. And there's going to be a longing for even more things in God. And you say, well, God, if you're able to do this, I believe you for even more. If you're able to work this and use me in this way, then I want to be used completely, completely give myself to you. And these deep things of God will not be stumbled onto, but you must be deliberate. You must be intentional. You will not accidentally visit these places. And a person must be very purposeful when they have a desire uh, for the deep things to be revealed to them. Amen. And so let's go to uh, the book of Psalms. 
Psalms 107 here is a passage that I would like to uh, talk about a little bit here tonight. And this is probably familiar to many of you. And verse 24, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. These are the people that see the works of the Lord. Is anybody hungry to see the works of the Lord? I just have felt and in prayer have felt nudged uh, to uh, myself go deeper in God. I don't believe I plumbed all the depths in the spirit. Now, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say that if you desire the works of the Lord, uh, there's a longing and there's a yearning for it in your heart. I'm speaking to you here tonight. And I feel like the Lord has placed this message upon my heart. And for he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul, these that, that have went out into these waters, uh, their soul, uh, it's talking about those that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, verse 23. But in verse 25 it says, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their, their soul is melted because of trouble. In other words, these that seek to do great business in great waters, these that have taken the challenge, these that have stepped out and launched out into the deep and said, I'm not going to be comfortable just being a land dweller. I'm not going to be comfortable with just being saved, as it were. I'm not going to be comfortable with just staying uh, uh, static in my relationship with God. Uh, when we get out here, uh, there's no path to follow. There's no trail to follow. There's no markers in the sea. Amen. There's nothing that you can... Uh, matter of fact, you can't really follow anybody because, uh, you know, not a trail that's been blazed through the sea. Because as soon as one passes through the sea, the water's covered up and it's saw no more. So you got to learn how uh, to seek navigation from a different source. You cannot just be a follower uh, of, uh, of somebody else necessarily. You cannot, you cannot just say, well, I'll just follow the markers of those that have went ahead. But you've got to learn to rely upon the Spirit, if I could say it that way. Just as those mariners of the sea had to learn how to, to hone their skills to lean upon other sources of navigation rather than following a land trail. The wagons going west could follow the wagons that went before them. They could follow the markers, the signs that were given to them at certain places. And, and there were certain things that stood out to them. There had been stories that had been told about how to get uh, and, and follow uh, your path to, to go out west and and uh, so these wagon masters, they knew and they could follow those paths. And you can still go up there today on the Oregon Trail and you can find through the granite rock, you can find trails that have been uh, uh, hewn out in the rock because so many wagons have went over those rocks and it's left the scars on those rocks of wagons that have visited that area of the country and passed over those mountain passes. That's still there to this day. And uh, But they don't have that luxury, those that follow uh, and, and navigate and go out into deep waters. In fact, uh, it may have been calm when somebody else went, uh, but now it's rocking and it's reeling and those waves mount up to the heavens and then they go down into the depths. And, and there's times when you're following this that I'm talking about. There's times when you're moving into this dimension that I'm speaking of. When there's, there's high times. When uh, times of exhilaration. There's times when you feel like, man, it couldn't get any better than this. But uh, there's also times when you have to solely trust God. Because as sure as you're up here on the top of the wave. Then there's times when it feels like you're going down on the other side of it. And it feels like you're falling and there's nothing there to catch you. And it feels like that you're out of control. And it feels like 
Maybe the situation is hopeless. But what is God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us to trust in Him. Their hearts melted when trouble came. But the very next verse tells us they reel to and fro and stagger like drunk men and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and He bringeth them out of their distresses. If you will keep your focus on Him and pray and seek after God, the one that led you, the one that directed you, the one that gave you the invitation in the first place, is able to direct you. I know I realize when I'm preaching tonight it's not going to connect with everybody. I realize when I'm preaching tonight it's not going to resonate with everybody. I realize what I'm preaching tonight is not for everyone because that scares some people to death when they get out there and the wind is blowing and the sea is rocking and they don't know, they can't see land anymore, they can't see security anymore, they can't follow somebody else and they don't, they, they, have, to, they have to rely entirely upon God that they've cut the anchor loose they've cut the rope loose from the uh, the moorings that that kept them safe in the harbor and they've went out in the great depths of the sea that is a great thing amen but I'm gonna tell you it has some fears in it and it has some concerns in it it has some challenges it has some pressure involved in it that's right amen you, you take somebody that's following God and, and yielding to God, amen, there's going to be some things that are unfamiliar to us and we don't understand it and, and we can't hardly, hardly uh, uh, describe what, what's going on to somebody else because they have never experienced it either. And so it's very important uh, that we stay focused on the Lord because if you ever lose sight of Him, you're lost. And when you get lost in the sea, there's nothing like being lost. You know what? Uh, more of the earth is covered by water than it is by land. You've been lost in the woods, and you may be there for a day or so, but you get lost. You get lost in the sea. You might be lost forever. It doesn't matter how many times they fly a pattern in that area. That sea is so vast. That sea is so great. Uh, there's so much of it uh, that if you're not careful, uh, if you don't have a, a source of navigation on your own uh, to get a hold of God and know how to touch heaven, uh, amen, then you don't have no business being there. If you don't have a relationship with God, uh, this is not for you. Praise God. But if there's a hunger and there's a desire, I want to be used of God. You'll never be satisfied standing on the shoreline. You'll never be satisfied standing there with your feet planted in the earth. Saying, well, I just have to be content with this. I got my little salvation ticket and I'm just waiting until Jesus uh, tells the angel to blow the trumpet and I'm going home. No, that's not how it's going to work. Amen. We've got to, we've got to desire the things of God. We've got to hunger for the things of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He said these are, are the ones that see the works of the Lord. I want to be a seer. Bible talks about a seer. Amen. Now that's often referencing a prophet. But, but he was called a seer because he could see things that other people couldn't see. Come on. Is anybody tired of being blindsided by the enemy? Anybody tired of, of saying, where'd that come from? How'd that happen? Why is this taking place? And having more question marks and answers in your life? I'm going to tell you, the way to do that is to go into the depths of the Spirit and let the Lord open up your eyes and take those carnal scales off of it. You'll never be able to see it as long as worldliness is in your view, as long as carnality is in your view, as long as you're focused on the things of the world. You'll never be able to see the things of the Spirit. Man, the only way you can see the things of God is to desire it with all your heart. Amen. Uh, you know, and, and you can get to looking around at the sea tossing and the winds blowing. The Bible said of Simon Peter when the Lord, he wanted to walk on the water. He said, that's you, Lord, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And when he got out there, he got to looking around. Again, you got to keep your focus on him. Amen. Or you will sink. You will drown. You will be destroyed. 
Amen. And this is what happens to a lot of people. When they get out there and start being used of God and anointed of God and God places an anointing on their life, they start letting pride creep in. They start letting, they start letting other things creep in, whether it's materialism or desire for money or whatever it may be. And, and it isn't long until they become a casualty. They become a casualty. Why? It's because they got their focus on the one that gave them the invitation to come out of the boat in the first place. I said they lost their focus. They got distracted. They started looking around at other things. Don't let anything, I don't care how much it glitters. I don't care how much it shines. I don't care how appealing it is to you. Don't let anything cause you to get your eyes off Jesus. Hey, we're living too close to the end. We're living at the very cusp of the coming of the Lord. I think it's important that we keep our focus on God. Oh, anybody believe what I'm talking about right here? Amen. There's too many people that are interested in, in keeping one foot in the church and the other foot in the world. Hello? Amen. They want to dabble in carnality and they want to dabble in spirituality. They want to dabble a little bit in sin through the week and come in on the weekend and get their little Holy Ghost fix. That's, I'm, not, I'm not preaching to that tonight. I'm not dealing with that tonight. That's not the person I'm after in this house. I'm talking about somebody who really wants to do something for God. I'm talking about somebody who really wants to be led in prayer. I'm talking about somebody who really wants an anointing. I'm talking about somebody that really wants to be a vessel of honor. You want to please God. Amen. Pleasing God. I'm going to tell you, if anybody has ever been anointed of God and, 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 and God has placed uh, spiritual gifts upon their life, it's because somewhere along the way they, they please the Lord. Amen. Praise God. And, and, and God blessed them and caused their life and their work for God or whatever it was they were called to do or attempting to do in God caused it to be blessed and fruitful and the dangerous thing is is those gifts and callings are without repentance and many times people can feel like I'm justified and I I still got it when they can still work and operate and flow in certain things and 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 seem and 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 be able to pull the wool over people's eyes that they still got it when they don't have it. Amen. Their their life is not continuing to please God. They're not walking with God as they once did. And as a result, uh, uh, they they may not even realize the danger that I'm going to tell you there's nothing more dangerous than hypocrisy and becoming comfortable with hypocrisy. Iniquity. Iniquity is is sin that is uh, basically premeditated. Sin that that says, you know what? I can get by with this. I can do this. I can continue on. Look here. I still got it. I can still come in and worship with the best of them on Sunday. I can still get up and sing like a songbird. And God seems still bless people out there in the congregation. And, and that's the spirit of iniquity is the one that God hated. And God rose up against and used men of God to speak out against a spirit of iniquity that is working. And uh, I, I, I believe a spirit of iniquity is working in the world today like never before. People that, that feel like they got it because uh, they can fool the masses. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you're not fooling God because God knows uh, the heart. Uh, God knows uh, the way that I take, the Scripture says. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And so what am I saying? I'm telling you that when you get to operating in this ram and you get to flowing in the anointing, it's a dangerous endeavor. Be cautious. I'm not saying this to discourage anybody. I'm not saying this to dissuade anybody's desire. In fact, uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just laying this out here because uh, if you're going to, to plunge into the deep things of God, be consistent with it. Be consistent with it. Don't let carnality come creeping in. Don't allow yourself, amen, to justify certain things in your life. Don't, don't become uh, hypocritical, but stay pure in all areas and say, God, i got to please you more than i got to please anybody else. Amen. 
I want you, God, to lead me into the deep places. And I trust you to lead me into the deep places. And the Bible tells us as we read on down through this scripture, when they cried out, he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm uh, the storm may come, so the waves thereof are still. If you can endure, if you'll stay with it, he may be testing your desire. He may be testing uh, just how much of a hunger and appetite that you have for the things of God. And he says that he can make the waves still. And then, then are they glad because they are quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. The thing that you stepped out and desired in the first place, if you'll continue to be consistent, even when the winds are blowing, even when the winds are contrary, even when you're in, in, in a place where it's tumultuous in your relationship with God, if you'll continue to be consistent, Keep trusting God. Keep your focus. He'll bring you to your desired haven. Amen. You can achieve. You can accomplish. You can receive what it is that you desire from God. I want to tell you, men and women of God in this Bible that I preach from tonight that were used of the Lord, they didn't fit the mold of the world. Why is it so quiet in here? I said they didn't fit the mold of the world. Amen. They stood out. They were an anomaly, if I could say it that way, because they had a desire. They had a desire to do the will and the work of God in their life. Amen? Praise God. Uh, an analogy, I guess, of this in the Scripture is when Moses was on the mountain with God and God was revealing all of these wonderful things to him. He comes down and Aaron, along with the people, the people had said, we, we, want a, we want a God to worship. We want one we can see. And he took all of the jewelry that they had gotten out of Egypt and he placed it in a mold. And a molten golden calf came out of that. And that's what it was. It was basically a form of whatever you poured into the mold. And that's what they were worshiping. The difference in that and when you come into the place that God had prepared for worship, which was the tabernacle and later the temple, was the golden articles that were in there were not molten, but they were a beaten gold, the scripture said. In other words, a craftsman had to take them in their hands and to the specific orders of God. He, he, he formed them and fashioned them exactly into what God and there was bending that went on. And there was the striking of a hammer that went on. And, and it was a beaten gold, a pure gold, the scripture says, that had been beaten into the shape that it was. It was not something that was heated up and just poured into a mold. And this is what came out. But it was something that had been fashioned and formed over a period of time by a master craftsman that was following the specific instructions of God for the articles and the furniture that was to be in that tabernacle. For instance, the, the golden candlestick and uh, the golden laver and, and all the other things. Uh, most of it overlaid with gold, the Scripture says. All of this was uh, of beaten gold, the Scripture tells us. What are you trying to say? Is the world's got a form that you can fit into. And, but the difference is if you're going to be used of God, if you're going to be used uh, in worship before the Lord, if you're going to be something that is anointed of God, you're going to have to be willing uh, to let God put his hands on your life and, and let him uh, begin to make some, some uh, bends and, some, and, and maybe it's, it's not going to be comfortable at times and there may be areas that you, you, you have to just be pliable and you have to be open and you have to be, uh, you have to be totally surrounded surrendered and, and able to, to, to allow yourself to become uh, what he desires and what his uh, uh, specific uh, desire is for your life. Amen. And it's not always comfortable, but uh, the, the, the lasting outcome of it uh, is that it's a whole lot more valuable and it pleases God and the other doesn't please God. When we just go with the flow of the world, it doesn't please God. 
When we just become whatever the world is and whatever the world is saying and follow the trends of the world, we cannot please God with that kind of attitude, with that kind of spirit. You've got to walk with God. And sometimes, uh, amen, the Word of God comes like a hammer, the Scripture says. And it, it comes down on us and we don't always, uh, we're not always made to feel comfortable by that. Uh, conviction comes and smotes our heart. But I thank God for that. I don't want just a patty cake. I, I don't want just a pat on the back every time I come to church. I don't want just a dad a boy every time I come to the house of God. I got to be saved. I got to be right. I got to stand before God someday. So preach to me. Help me. Help me to be surrendered to the Word of God and the Spirit of God as it is directed by God. Let me just tell you, there's going to be times God's going to challenge you and it's going to be times when you think, man, I'm doing pretty good and, and God will reveal something in your life. Hey, I need to put that on the altar. I need to surrender that to God. I need to lay that down for a deeper relationship with the Lord and to draw closer to Him. I'm telling you, don't resist that. Don't say, well, I'm going to hang on to that. Oh, God help me to be willing to yield anything to draw closer to Him. I don't want anything standing between me and my God I don't want anything entering my relationship with the Lord come on anybody hear what I'm preaching here tonight praise God does anybody have a desire for a closer walk with God closer nearer walk how many feels the deep calling you God I want to draw near to you I want a deeper prayer life I want to know your voice I want to develop a sensitivity to your spirit. And I want to maintain that. I don't want it just to be sporadic. That's one of the dangers is a sporadic uh, up and down kind of a on again, off again, intermittent relationship with God is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Because... I kind of liken it to this, that you kind of get partial victory over something. It's sort of like the person that maybe comes down with an infection, a bacterial infection. They go to the doctor. The doctor prescribes to them some, some antibiotics. And it says right there on the bottle, and he instructs you. It says, take every one of them that's in this bottle. Don't quit early. And, you know, it's a temptation because... Nobody enjoys taking those things. It's a temptation when you get to feeling better and things kind of clear up a little bit. It's a temptation for us to back off of that. And then it comes back with a vengeance. And here we are fighting a worse situation than what we started with. And so it is. You may feel better and you may feel like I'm entering in to a, a greater place and dimension, but that doesn't mean that the devil's going to give up easy. You may have him pretty much beat down, but that doesn't mean that you've got him totally defeated and that he's not going to challenge you at some other place, at some other level. And so you've got to walk in victory. You can't just experience victory and, and just say, well, I'll, I'll just stay right there. You've got to continue. The Bible tells me that, that David never totally, 100% ever, conquered forever the Philistines. But every time he suited up and went to the battlefield and was led of the Lord in doing so and was obedient to God in doing so, the Lord gave him the victory over them. He gave him the victory. I mean, he'd no sooner get, get home, get his sword cleaned off, get his armament hung back up or whatever, and get some tea poured and get set down in the lazy boy until somebody would come and report to him, said, hey, them Philistines are stretched back out in the valley again. And we got to fight him over here. And he'd go back out and said, well, here we go again. He'd fight him down, beat him back, and then go back home. And somebody would say, well, you got him whipped over there, but they've created another front over here. we got to go over here and fight Philistines. And he'd suit up again. But every time he was willing to go to the battlefield, God gave him the victory. And that's the way it works for you and I. If we're willing to go out and be faithful and fight and not just coast, God will give us victory. He will give us revival. 
revival. But if we get the attitude that we're just going to sit idly by and uh, we're going to rely on past victories and, and I, I'm just going to rely on what I got a long time ago and I'm just going to glean from what I received back a long time ago. No, you're going to have to put your, you're going to have to put your sword uh, on your waist and make your way back into the battlefield and say, here we go again, that God is going to give me the victory. Come on, lift up your voice to him and let's give him praise right now. You're going to have to maintain some intensity in God. Intensity in God. Amen. Because the enemy is going to take anything you give to him. Anything you allow him. And I know there's times we're physically tired. I know there's times when we, we've, we've really given ourselves to, uh, to work during the day and it's hot and we come in here. And, but I'm going to tell you, when it's time to follow the things of the Spirit, sometimes we just got to push this flesh a little more if we desire more. Amen. We've got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to connect. I'm going to get engaged in what's going on. I'm not coming just to, to, to sit on the pew and, 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 and uh, get a good Bible lesson and go home, but I, I'm coming to hit the next rung on this thing. I'm coming to get to the next level in God in this thing. I'm, I'm not interested in just, just, just maintaining, but God, I know if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And so I want to go to the next place in the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's got to be a desire cultivated. There's got to be a hunger that is cultivated within us. Amen. And we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to be intentional about it. Men of the Bible that were used of God. There were some people that were really what I would call outliers. People that stood out. You know, we say, well, I will make sure, and I believe you ought to be. But I believe that's what a pastor's for. I want to stay balanced and all of that. Well, we're capable of helping you stay balanced. And I believe that it's important to be balanced. But sometimes we can use that as an excuse to be carnal. Amen? We can use that as an excuse to lay back on God and, and not be what we need to be. You cannot get what I'm talking about and be lazy. Amen's just about dried up in here tonight, and I don't really understand that. But is there anybody here that knows what I'm talking about, that if you really, it may be that God has to get some of us to a place uh, that, that some things kind of shake us up a little bit so that we get desperate before God, that we start seeking God and have a desire for God. And then it's not too hard to push that plate back. Then it's not too hard to be faithful to church. Then it's not too hard to pray in the altar. Then it's not too hard to seek God. When if we'd really been seeking God all along, we wouldn't have had to experience that. We wouldn't have had to go through that hardship. We wouldn't have to have God slam us on our face. If we'd learned how to walk with Him and live for Him and serve Serve him on a daily basis. Amen, amen, amen. That's right. Noah, he didn't seem like he was too balanced. He seemed like he was crazy compared to everybody else in his society. They said, it's never rained before. We've never seen anything about what you're talking about. He didn't care what anybody thought about him. He kept building the ark and doing exactly what God told him to do. And I'm going to tell you, this world is getting more filthy and more corrupt. And the more that true apostolics are going to stand out like a sore thumb. And the world's going to call you crazy. And if that bothers you, you probably are not going to be able to be saved. But if you're going to be a child of God, you're going to have to learn how to stand out. You're going to have to learn how to be confident in God. You're going to have to learn how to not be ashamed. Because the Bible said if you're ashamed of Him, He's going to be ashamed of you. Praise God. All of you that want to get along, to go along, to get along, amen, you're probably not going to make it. But if you have a desire to draw closer to the Lord, God will help you and sustain you. Who cares about the approval of the world? I'm looking for those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. 
Praise God. I want his approval. I want his blessing. Keep on preaching, Noah. Amen. You may stand out. Your voice may stand out in this sinful world. But when God looks over the whole group of them, he looks down and it says that he found favor or found grace in the sight of God. Nobody else it says that. A whole generation. He looked at them and said, I repent that I even made them. But I can't wipe them out without giving somebody a chance because Noah found grace. Noah found grace. Is there anybody that wants to find the favor and the blessing and the grace of God? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They were cut out of a different piece of cloth. That's right. Israel said, we want kings like everybody else. We won't be like everybody else. We're tired of being the standout. We don't want to be like that. When God had sent them prophets that were cut out of a different piece of cloth from the rest. And they preached. And they said things. And they, they were able to look into the heavens and say, no rain. I'd like to get that going on for about a week or two. Seemed like every Wednesday night and every Sunday night. If it's going to rain in this area, it's going to be on Sunday or Wednesday. Amen. That's what it seems anyway. Amen. Starting to think maybe there's some kind of connection with that. I don't know. It's like, wow. And all of a sudden, you, about 6 o'clock, kaboom, you hear the thunder roll. Men of God that were bold enough to say, you know what? I'll challenge the spirit of the age. And the God that answers by fire. I'm going to tell you, there was a lot of things to be concerned about. They were going, he was going against the tide. You talk about a tide that was coming in that was, that was strong and powerful in Ahab and Jezebel. And he said, I'm going I'm to stand for God in the midst of all of this. And God answered by fire. Daniel in Babylon. The spirit of Jezebel and the spirit of Babylon is something you read about in the book of Revelation in the end time. It's a spirit that is alive even then. But these two men, Elijah and also Daniel, were willing to stand against those two spirits and say, we're going to live for God. And I want to remain consistent. I want to get back to that, that consistency. He could have said, well, you know what? I've been praying just about like this all of this these many years, and that's got to add up for something. I'll just kind of be quiet about it and won't do it anymore for a little while until this, this passes over. No, he just opened his windows up towards Jerusalem and prayed like he'd always prayed with the same intensity, the same volume, the same desire. What are you trying to say? I'm telling you, you can come as close to God as you want to. You can be as near to him. He said, you draw nine to me, I'll draw nine to you. Amen. Deep calleth to deep. When you get a little taste of this, it brings on more desire. brings on more appetite. There are certain foods that you may not even known that you like, but after you tasted them, you said, you know what, let's drive by there and get a little bit more of that. Let's go over there and visit that restaurant. I, I like that. You, you weren't even aware that you liked it, but there was something, something on the menu that was served, and once you got a taste of it. You know, the devil don't like this kind of preaching because he wants everybody to stay about where they're at right now, and if he can, he wants it to diminish. He doesn't want it to grow. He doesn't want it to flourish. He doesn't want it to break out. And that's a spirit that tries to cap things off. That's a spirit that tries to limit things and hold things back. And you have to become defiant against that spirit. Amen. You have to become, in a sense, just dogmatic about it. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, when this intensity that I'm talking about comes, it's a distinguishing thing. It draws a line in the sand. It, it, it kind of is the line of demarcation between those that are indifferent, because, you know, some folks can hide amongst the stuff as long as there's no spiritual intensity. 
as long as there's no push for, for greater commitment and greater consecration and deeper prayer and deeper place in worship. Amen. I'm not talking about the superficial and the shallow. I'm not talking about the kiddie pool now. I'm talking about the deep. Amen. I'm talking about the deep. As long as you want to splash around and have your little arm floaties on and all of that, you can be satisfied with that level. You can, you can get by with that, that level. But you, you gotta, there, there's always going to be a longing. I wonder what's out there. I wonder what more God would have done for me and what more prayers he could have answered and how that he could have used me. And once you ever get a taste of what I'm talking about, you, you'll never be satisfied with the shallow end again. You'll never be willing to be confined and, and to stay down there on that end of things the rest of your life. But there will be a longing. There will be a longing for more. There will be a desire for more. Amen. As we stand to our feet, I wonder if there's anybody that's catching hold of what I'm talking about here tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Praise God, praise God. There may be just a few. There may just be a handful. Amen. But if it can catch with a handful, that's what God sent me here for tonight. That's what God spoke to me about here tonight. That's the ones that God is reaching for here tonight. Oh, that's the ones. Amen. You know, when we get to this level, some of you, you, you may not be able to have control like you've had control for years. You may not be able to dominate like you've dominated for years. You, you may not be able to suppress things like you've suppressed things. Amen. But when that breaks loose and breaks out, it's going to be like a gushing well that just keeps springing up and springing up. And it's going to be beyond your ability to cap it off. Amen. Oh, I urge you tonight. I urge people, young people, young married people, folks in this place that have a hunger for God, I urge you to seek after God. I urge you to lift up your voice to the Lord. I urge you to not be intimidated. I urge you to not allow anybody to dissuade you from it. I urge you to not let anybody talk you out of it. I urge you to seek God until you get that breakthrough. Amen, 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 amen. Somebody, amen, just like this man in this psalm has experienced a touch of it before. And you wonder, why is it that I have not felt it like I have felt it in times past? Why is it that I'm not experiencing it like I have in times past? Why is it uh, that there's a longing and a hunger for it, but it seems like God has hid His face from me? I'm going to tell you, if you keep on pursuing, uh, you're going to experience a breakthrough. You're going to receive a breakthrough. It's going to come to a point when when you're going to feel that nudge in the Holy Ghost, where you're going to cross over that place into that, that desired haven in God like the psalmist talked about. So I give an invitation tonight to those, amen, that are hungry.